Welcome to the All Souls Forum, a public forum whose mission is to deal with significant issues, especially those that involve ethical values of the contemporary world and to promote critical thinking. Today's presentation by the Honorable Marcy Francisco, Kansas State Senator from the 2nd District, is a recap of the 2023 legislative session in Kansas. It was recorded at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Lawrence on July 2, 2023. I've introduced Marcy Francisco to the fellowship twice, and there have been under other occasions. Uh, Marcy grew up in Prairie Village, right down K-10. Uh, she won two bachelors from KU in environmental design and in architecture. I think she may have won a third bachelor from KU. That would be her husband, Joe Bickford. Some jobs she held before she got into politics uh, include being a waitress in a Greek restaurant in London and draftsperson for the London Transit. She was longtime space analyst at KU. Uh, that's not outer space, but it's for the facilities planning and the Center for Sustainability. And she and Joe <clears throat> are small business people uh, renovating distressed properties uh, to create good, affordable housing here in Lawrence. Her first elected public office was city commissioner <clears throat> and two terms as mayor of Lawrence. She was president of the League of Women Voters, both of Lawrence Douglas County and of Kansas. She served on the Lawrence and the Kansas Preservation Alliances, the Kansas Grassroots Arts Association, the uh, Kansas or the KU Student Housing Association, and the list goes on, and it includes being the chair of the UUCL endowment uh, uh, committee. She was um, first elected to the Kansas Senate in 2005 and has been reelected four times. And today's interesting factoid, uh, Marcy initially won her seat with 49% of the vote. Her opponent got 43, the incumbent opponent. And her share since then, have been 49%, 62%, 64%, 66%, and last time, 100%. You see a trajectory there. Um, now, if you extrapolate that line, uh, <laughs> you know, we're getting into voting machines and things. So in the, in the last <laughs> legislature, she was the ranking minority member of four committees. Welcome to the podium. Paul, thank you so much for that introduction, um, for the chance um, to be here, um, and also for setting out a topic. Um, Paul was the one that suggested when we review this past year's legislature, we could talk about the good, the bad, <laughs> and the ugly. And um, during those 88 days, um, some of each um, happened. So um, when I was getting ready for this this week, I um, was thinking, why didn't I tell them that I wasn't going to speak until legislative highlights had been published? So each year, the um, research department 
publishes legislative highlights. It arrived in my mailbox yesterday. So I tried to go through some notes and say, what have I left out um, that I needed to talk about? But uh, one of the most interesting things is they also give us some numbers. Um, so their 2023 session at a glance um, states that 326 Senate bills were introduced. Um, 284 of those carry over. So there was no action on those. This is the first year of a two-year biennial. So uh, legislators who were um, started in the House um, last year will have their second year. So legislation stays alive. 474 bills were introduced in the House. 371 of those were carried over. So the bills that were considered that became law were 65 of those House bills and 33 of the Senate bills. So that's 12.3% up from 8.9% last year. So um, based on the bills though, that might not all be good news. So we did spend, the Senate spent 88 days in session and the House spent 84. They took a few more um, days off than we did. Um, but this is kind of an interesting day to be talking about this because um, July 1st, just yesterday, 77 of those bills became law of those that were passed. The others were um, given a um, statement in the bill that said they um, will become law upon publication in the register. So it's cheaper to just let them become law July 31st. So now we have a lot or 98 new laws to think about. One of the bills that did not get a hearing was when I had introduced um, after meeting um, with a disability lawyer who explained to me that he had a number of um, clients who were trying to apply for social security disability because of a medical condition. He um, believes that many of them, if they could get medical care, could go back to work. So we introduced a bill that said, um, if it's an attorney on a social security disability case, you can get the hospital records at the um, hospital rate. Um, unfortunately, it didn't get anywhere. So um, those lawyers are often met with um, higher prices than necessary um, to get that information. But let's talk about the bills that did get through. Senate Bill 3, designating a state land fossil. I'm sure we all think that that's important. But other ones um, that were talked about, we raised the minimum age to sell, purchase, and possess tobacco products, um, authorized counties to create code inspection and enforcement funds, and a municipality's fight addiction fund. That will let some of our cities use opioid um, prevention um, dollars. And one of the interesting things was after a lot of back and forth, um, the state did agree to remove fentanyl strip test strips from the state list of illegal drug paraphernalia. So 
hopefully that will help um, individuals um, know what and they are um, consuming. Um, some fun things were um, the bill to move forward the Ad Astra Plaza, so the small um, statute of uh, the one on top of the Capitol um, can be viewed on the grounds, and um, permission for a first Kansas colored voluntary infantry regiment mural. We got a new state park, Lehigh State Park um, near Iola. Um, we updated rules on presidential electors and allowed for a presidential preference primary. So we've had um, caucuses, but this year the state is putting um, out the dollars for that presidential preference primary. Um, there was a law um, allowing a court to block the sale, distribution, spending, or other use of a uh, decedent's assets by a person who has been arrested or charged in their killing. So if you kill your spouse, you won't be able to get their money until after the court action is decided. Um, probably a good thing. Um, but um, we also made it easier for victims of childhood sexual assault to make a case in court by extending the statutes of limitations. Um, we allowed the court to permit a name change during a divorce proceeding um, to a name other than a maiden or former name. So you're already in court, you're already making a decision. Um, that seems to make sense. Some of the ones that I was most pleased to see were Senate Bill 49, which will require the light mitigating um, systems on wind turbines if the Federal Aviation um, administration allows for that if it's far enough away from a from an airport, and this um, hopefully will help um, those um, rural residents. Um, maybe some will be in Douglas County shortly who live near a wind turbine um, system and complain about the constantly blinking red lights. Um, there was a bill that changes how. Uh, Costs associated with transmission of electric power um, are considered, and that should be a reduction in your electricity bill. Um, you might not see it because of the other additions um, to your bill. But um, we also finally made some progress on the state um, water plan funding um, and groundwater management requirements. So um, I was particularly um, pleased on both of those. We're now gonna ask groundwater management districts, their taxing authorities to report to the legislature what they're doing um, with their funds. And hopefully it will be uh, setting up local uh, enhanced management areas that have been very successful. You might've heard about this Sheridan Six. Um, instead of, um, lobbying for an aqueduct to carry water from um, the Missouri River across and uphill to Southwest Kansas. So we'll be having a little more oversight um, on that. Um, I got several amendments um, on the bill 
for the state water plan, um, some of it just about the date several reporting and asking them to report not only how they've um, spent money, but giving us in January a budget, um, but was most pleased that my amendment that would um, allow an unincorporated area that's part of a um, national park site or a state historic park site um, could apply along with incorporated areas for um, money to study water treatment and grants for those um, communities. Um, this congregation helped because of the program you had on Nicodemus and my understanding that Nicodemus um, could make use of such funds. So I was very pleased that the Senate committee, um, the full Senate and the governor all went along with that. And I'm crossing my fingers um, that will go through. I, I do believe that if we have a national park, we should have toilets that flush. <laughs> so um, some other things um, that passed were a um, nine member compensation committee to study and make recommendations on the compensation salary and retirement benefits for legislative members. Um, currently we receive $88 a day plus about 125 for expenses. But if you have had to set up a separate um, accommodation in Topeka to do your job, um, the money doesn't go very far. Some people say, oh, we have a great delegation from Douglas County. And my response is we sleep in our own beds. <laughs> so this will be interesting um, to see, but they also um, increased uh, the compensation for the governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, secretary of state, state treasurer, commissioner of insurance, judges, and some uh, district attorneys based on um, salaries for the U.S. Congress members, district judges, um, and U.S. district judges. So talking about money, the one thing that the legislature has to do every year is pass a budget. And... Um, I was pleased to see that this year's salary adjustments for state employees were not just a um, percentage, but um, will be based individually on the Department of Administration's market survey. So if state workers were paid um, below 10% of their peers in that occupation, um, they will be brought up to that 10% amount were given um, a 5% increase, which could take them above that 10% amount. Plus, the estimates um, were low. It turns out we had more individuals below market than expected. And early next year, the legislature will need to make up the difference, or it's going to have to come out of the agency's operating budgets. Um, and that's um, going to be a difficult situation. So. Some of the um, good uh, turned out to be the legislature failing to override some of the governor's vetoes. So um, the idea was that the rights of parents to direct education and upbringing of their children included the right to object to educational materials and activities. You can, in many instances, opt out, but to object to it might have removed a book from the library. 
The legislature, again, wanted to standardize firearm safety education programs and base it on Eddie Eagle. And this is particularly disconcerting to me because the Eddie the Eagle program says on the website, this is through kindergarten to fourth grade. These are the people that we think, or the children we think might make use of this. But of course, the legislature said, oh, we can use that up to eighth grade. Um, but it simply says, oh, if you see a gun, step back, tell an adult. And I'm not sure seventh or eighth graders um, would take that in, uh, to heart. Talked about childcare facilities. Um, certainly we need to expand the programs, but we don't wanna do things um, that make them less safe by increasing um, arbitrarily the number of uh, children that can be um, taken care of. Um, by a certain number of caregivers. And there is a um, ongoing study, and we hope that we'll see that information um, yet this summer. The legislature um, was not able to override the veto on the Child Mutilation Prevention Act. So licenses for physicians performing childhood gender reassignment services do not have to be revoked by the Board of Healing Arts and some gender affirming care can be provided. And the Senate um, also sustained the governor's veto on HB 2325, which would have restricted access to the fee-funded healthcare stabilization fund for facilities and physicians who perform abortions. Um, that would have made it much more difficult for those facilities and those physicians to get insurance and perhaps um, make it impossible for them to provide those services. There was some bad. Um, I'm going to start with that there was no reason, once again, not to pass Medicaid expansion. Um, it would help our hospitals. It would make insurance for everyone um, more fair because more costs would be covered um, through those insurance policies and not by trying to take it um, from other insurance. But especially because of the federal incentives that were enacted, um, if we had done it this year, that would have brought more than $700 million to the state because they would change the percentage of other um, Medicaid, expenses, Medicaid expenses that um, are covered. So maybe instead of getting 66% from the state, you would get 72. All of a sudden, more money to take care of. Um, of that expansion. So thanks to everyone. Um, I've not seen any issue that people have lobbied harder for and uh, seen no results. Um, the governor had recommended an increase and to try to over the next um, five years come up to the full funding, um, the full 90 2% that we say that should be spent for special education, and the uh, legislature only authorized 10% of that. Um, we eliminated the $100 fee to um, obtain a concealed carry license, because that would be one more thing in the way of letting someone have that. Um, the legislature passed a resolution disapproving the designation of the lesser prairie chicken as a threatened species. Um, unfortunately, um, 
we extended the suspension of speedy trial rights until May of 2024. And that's because many district courts are still recovering from uh, setbacks during um, the pandemic. So I spoke about um, legislative highlights. Um, they're organized by topic. And um, I hope that you agree with me that a report on activities in the Kansas legislature would be better if it began with agriculture than with abortion. But once again, the first topic that we're gonna read about um, is abortion. And I think if I every year they have a little survey of, of what we want the research department to do. And I always say, move the bills on abortion to reproductive health care. But they haven't taken up on it yet. Um, we got a bit of a respite last year. Last year's legislative highlights did start with agriculture. And the guess is that leadership wanted to look like they weren't trying to outlaw all abortions in advance of the vote on the constitutional amendment. So much for that. Um, two bills related to abortion um, passed this year and the governor's vetoes were overridden. Um, HB 2264 clarifies that certain medical procedures such as removal of an ectopic pregnancy and some methods of contraception are not abortions, but it also requires facilities and physicians that provide medication abortions using mifepristone um, to provide notification to patients verbally and in writing. So this is one more time that um, we're asking for a statement to be made about abortion that isn't based on research um, or facts. So we are just confusing um, those patients. And HB 2313 enacts the Born Alive Infants Protection Act. So I'm sure that there's gonna be some postcards saying, um, oh, we voted for the Born Alive Infants Protection Act. So healthcare providers have to exercise the same level of care to any child born during an abortion as provided to any other child um, that's born alive, but federal law already protects um, those infants. And the override of governor's veto on making the office of the Kansas State Treasurer, a pregnancy crisis center pass-through entity, means that $2 million can be used to establish a statewide program for largely unregulated pregnancy resource centers. So, um, um, for me, the bad was not only in some of the legislation that passed, but skirting the process. So um, when you think about the introduction of a bill, it turns out that the bill number is followed more carefully than the bill's contents. So you can introduce um, a bill. Um, I think we had 20 bills in financial, financial um and institutions or insurance, financial and institutions. And they can be very specific um, improvements, but then those get combined into one bill during a conference committee report. And all the rest of those bills that passed stand out of shells. And so then another um, uh, contents or other contents can be put in that bill. And the assumption is it's already passed one of the houses. 
even though the topic is completely different. So it really works well if you have a bill, it gets discussed, you have public hearings, it's passed, and then when it goes to the next chamber, people are kind of on notice, they know what's in it, they're more ready um, to make their testimony, but this skirts that process. Um, so we saw more substitute bills where that content was changed, and we saw more bundling of bills and um, some outright additions, um, particularly to the conference committee report on the budget. So they put in um, some uh, language, one was on money for the Quindero historic site that had never been discussed in any committee meeting. And that is not a good way um, to do business. So um, another thing was instead of including the budget for education in the budget bill, the legislature combined policy with the appropriations for education. Um, so I was very pleased to see the governor um, insist that it indeed was an appropriations bill and line item some of the um, appropriations within that bill. Um, there was a lot of talk about how the attorney general might file um, a complaint, um, but turns out they all agreed it probably was an appropriations bill and, and those vetoes stood. Some of the most interesting um, bundling occurred with the tax bills. So um, lots of suggestions were made about taxes. Should we have a um, tax holiday for school supplies? Um, don't we want to get rid of this um, Social Security cliff? Um, right now, you can earn, I think it's up to $70,000, um, and you don't have to pay income tax on Social Security. But if you earn $70,001, then you have to pay all the income tax, um, including that Social Security. So you end up with less than um, the person who didn't earn quite as much as you did. So there was a bill on that. Um, but one of the bills combined um, 13 um, different provisions into the tax bill conference committee report. Senator Schallenberger, who was new to the Senate this year after being appointed to um, replace Senator Hildebrand, who had chosen to step down, but he was, um, was in the Senate, this is his first year, but he wasn't new to the legislature. He had served in the House from 1987 to 1998. And during this discussion, he asked the chair of the tax committee, you know, because people were complaining about some of the other parts of that bill, um, such as uh, taking away property taxes for govern government um, competition or a tax on taking off taxes on telecommunication expansion. So he asked the chair, is there another conference committee report um, on tax yet this year? Is there some way we can salvage any of this? Uh, she responded, no. So he said, well, can't, maybe we should vote this down. 
And maybe you should go to the governor and find out what things that she would approve. And then we have a package that we know will go through. But that's not what happened. The idea was let's take all this um, good stuff and put it with bad stuff and hope that it all passes. But what we ended up doing was not giving any tax relief to Kansans this year. And much of it was appropriate. So um, don't be surprised if I was lucky last time no one ran against me. But this time someone could run against me and they could send out a postcard. Senator Francisco voted against moving up the date to reduce the sales tax on food. Or Senator Francisco didn't um, give you what you should have gotten in terms of Social Security tax benefits. That would be true because to vote against the things you didn't want, you also voted against um, things that individually you had uh, voted for as bills previously. So the other kind of interesting thing with regard to taxes was a second bill that combined um, a, it's not a flat tax, they call it a um, single tax rate of 5.15% for everyone who files Kansas taxes. So the concern is this might take us back to the situation we had during Brownback that we're not collecting enough um, to cover things, but they combined um, that, actually that was the one that was combined with the exemption on social security income. So this bill was passed earlier in April, the governor had vetoed it, it came back um, for a vote and um, the attempt to override the veto failed on April 26th. This was really an important issue for the Republican leadership. So they were, they now had a list of all the Republicans who had voted against it and they were gonna go out and find a vote because they just needed one more um, vote to override that veto. They found that vote because if you don't work with leadership, you might not get to be um, a committee chair or a vice chair. There are ways that you can, um, quote unquote, be punished. So um, the attempt was made the next day to reconsider and they got an additional Republican vote, but there was another Republican, Republican um, Rob Olson, who stood up and said, he talked about this a lot with his wife. Who were we um, gonna be helping? Who were we gonna be hurting? And he changed his vote. I think within 10 minutes, he lost his chairmanship of the Utilities Committee, Senate Utilities Committee. He had already indicated that he was not gonna run again. This is gonna be now interesting to watch because um, the leadership has kind of, um, now punished um, Senator Pyle, in some ways, Senator Dahl, who ran as an independent, um, or both of those two ran as an independent, and now Olson, they may not have a guaranteed Republican majority if they can't count those three um, senators in their um, stronghold. So interesting, um, but one of the problems about bundling 
um, bundling bills. So now the session got ugly. All those times when the legislature displayed a lack of respect and understanding for so many of the people that we represent. Um, the legislature was warned that many people might lose their current access to Medicaid with the change um, during the pandemic. Um, no one was taken off the rolls. And they might lose that not because they don't continue to qualify, but because they haven't filled out the paperwork. So just this morning, the reflector was reporting that of the more than 200,000 people sent paperwork for renewal, only 22,465 have been approved, 5,667 have been discontinued, and 20, or I'm sorry, 45,820 have been terminated, although those people could be reinstated within a 90-day window if they fill out that paperwork. So um, the federal government offered a dozen waivers that states could adopt. Kansas asked for only four. And the legislature, knowing there was a lot of public, uh, publicity about this, didn't say we need to have more staff or outreach to um, help those people. I am so pleased that the governor, um, in many ways, stood up for Kansans by vetoing a number of bills. Um, but several of those were overridden. Um, the one that expanded the worker training requirements for able-bodied individuals 50 to 59 to receive SNAP benefits. We heard some about this during the federal discussion about um, the budget, um, but older adults often have more difficulty and take longer to find a new job, and they may not be um, appropriate for some of the uh, work training programs. Um, HB 2350 created crimes of human smuggling and aggravated human smuggling at the state level. There are already those crimes at the federal level. But um, some individuals who work with immigrants may believe that the imprecise wording may have unintended consequences and it's not letting you um, help maybe even a um, family member give a ride to another family member if they're an immigrant because you're providing them something of value. So um, the Fairness in Women's Sports Act, um, this year was House Bill 2238. Um, several times uh, it was passed, but uh, not overridden. Um, that changed this year. Um, I think there's agreement that we want sports activities to follow rules and be fair but we have a Kansas High School Athletics Association that has established rules and regulations, and they monitor um, individuals, how long, um, if they've made a transition um, in terms of sex, what the hormone levels might be. Um, and they have done that in what I believe is a fair and professional manner. Um, several Republican legislators commented that the bill inappropriately addresses uh, students who are as young as kindergarten to be in this um, group that has to follow the activities. Probably won't happen because they probably don't have intramural sports. Um, but even after saying that that was inappropriate, um, they voted for it. So 
We're going to be hearing more about Senate Bill 180, labeled the Women's Bill of Rights, um, which is really let's take rights from others away. But it defines biological sex as the determinant for use of restrooms, domestic violence shelters, locker rooms, and correctional facilities. Um, the bill did not contain enforcement mechanisms, so nobody really knows how it would be um, operated. And my favorite quote um, on this is from Loud Light. I hope many of you are following that. And Loud Light said, Chris Kobach's attorney general opinion is basically malpractice. He's advising state agencies to violate a federal consent decree without even telling them the decree exists. Meanwhile, he's in court trying to overturn the consent decree because he knows it's the governing document. So um, there we are uh, left with that. This point, um, I think many of us in the legislature said, this is ugly, this is mean, this is hurtful. We know people who um, are going to be individually affected by, by our statements, our attitude, and what we're doing. And um, I understand that we have two members of our congregation who um, have been um, threatened by actions of the legislature. So I'd like Jackie and Cameron to um, introduce themselves and tell us a bit about your feelings and concerns and plans. Yes. Um, so I shouldn't take too much of your time, but I'm Jackie Davis, um, local transgender woman about town um, who I'm still processing the fact that Senate Bill 180 um, went into effect yesterday. Um, but I did want to talk briefly. Um, my partner and I are moving to New Mexico at the end of this month um, in an effort not only to get away from these bills that have passed this legislative session, but understanding that next legislative session, these are poised to get um, even worse. And a big part of that is that this is a national effort. Um, it's not just here in Kansas. Your legislatures are not coming up with this. Um, it's mostly given to them by outside lobbyist organizations, uh, as seen by the fact that these bills look exactly the same from state to state. Uh, banning transgender women from sports um, began in Idaho in 2020 um, and is a well-known bill that has been copy and pasted in up to 19 different states. Banning transgender care for minors um, under 18, which is thankfully one that did not pass this year. Um, that began in my home state of Arkansas in 2021 um, and has spread across the states. Um, banning transgender people under 18 from school restrooms, um, from staying with people of their gender on overnight trips, um, and this awfully vague bill of defining sex for driver's licenses, uh, birth certificates, bathrooms, correctional facilities, domestic violence shelters. Um, it has quite the impact. Um, if I weren't to move, it is very likely that under the current attorney general opinion, 
my driver's license would be uh, changed to reflect that I am male, um, which I think a lot of people take for granted the amount of times that you use a driver's license and how much harassment that opens up. And I am empowered also by our district attorney's opinion not to prosecute anyone or um, use county resources to enforce the Women's Bill of Rights. I should also note that there are things that you can do um, to support our community because not all of us have the privilege to be able to leave right now. Um, local leaders can pass non-discrimination laws. Um, Lawrence already has one, although that can be expanded to the county level. Um, Douglas County does not have one. Wyandotte County is the only county in Kansas that has one. Local leaders, especially district attorneys, can announce um, non-enforcement of these measures, um, which empowers trans people to be able to live our everyday lives. As far as policies in the places that you work, go to school, teach, um, advocating for inclusion um, in a lot of personnel policies, um, bathrooms are not addressed, but they can be. Um, they can be addressed to be based off of your gender identity. Is If there's a coffee shop that you like to go to or a restaurant that you like, do they have gender neutral bathrooms? Is that a change they can make? You may be the only one who sees that and feels comfortable advocating for that. So with that, I also feel it necessary to mention that Cameron and I are not alone in having to move states. Um, with a recent study coming out that says that 8% of trans people have already moved um, with another 40% considering it in the near future. And if you extrapolate that out, there are more trans people than you think. That is hundreds of thousands of people who are moving states because of this legislation. Thank you for that. And I may ask you um, if there's, because um, we have time for discussion um, and certainly, you know, I thought that the legislature spent a little too much time focusing on sex, but now it's bathrooms um, and divisions. And so, um, you know, there was a very reasonable bill proposed by um, county sheriffs to update the jail um, ordinances in the state. And um, everyone kind of agreed this makes sense. And then somehow the committee decided, but we didn't talk about gender. So let's make sure we add that to the bill because um, wouldn't we wanna make sure that we're putting prisoners um, in groups according to their birth, which we know is not necessarily safe um, for many. So what, what did I miss? Um, what's on your mind? Um, can we do better next year? Who wants to ask questions? Anyone on? I do. Uh, my question is, I think there's a gentleman, I shouldn't say gentleman, I think there's a legislature by the name of Steffens who tried to convert a Muslim woman on the spot is he a new, is he a first timer or an old guy? What's his well, story? He's an old, he's an old guy. Um, 
I, I believe he came in um, three years ago. So this would have been his third year um, in the Senate. His background is um, in the medical profession, but he kind of, um, I think they've noted he um, talks about medical issues that are not necessarily the ones that he studied. And um, I'm very glad this wasn't any comment made on the floor of the Senate. It was, the, my understanding is um, he had been visited by some constituents. One of them may have seen the Bible on his desk or some other things and just asked, um, are you representing me or how can you help me? And I think his offer was to convert them. So um, there's some writing about that in the reflector, but it's very important that as legislators, we um, not only listen to everyone, but we listen carefully and um, invite people to share their experiences with us because all of our experiences have been different. And um, there's a lot that we um, don't know. Go ahead, uh, Susanna. I just, um, hi, Marcy. I don't know if you remember me. I'm a former member from a long time ago. I just have the super quickest question. Do you have any knowledge or any update on talk in the legislature about low barrier homeless shelters? Meaning people can be sheltered even if they're unable because of cognitive whatever. If they're unable to follow rules, can they get shelter? I have not heard um, that talk. I think I know that there's a awareness of particularly housing issues and um, some changes that were made um, for more funds for affordable housing. Um, please talk with me more about that and help me understand what the state might be doing that's in the way of those low barrier shelters. Um, much of our services are provided at the county levels. Um, and that would probably include um, homeless shelters. The state does not, that I know of, operate any. So I was wondering about the food tax. Um, this is something that has been discussed a long time. And one wonders, when is it going to be passed? This The um, bill to take the sales tax, right, state right. sales tax off food right. was passed. But when it was passed, the idea was, oh, we don't know if we can afford this. You know, something might happen. There might be a recession. Um, they were spending other money um, without those same concerns. So the um, bill that was passed reduced the sales tax from 6.5%, I think, to 4.5, it will be reduced another 2.5% um, in January. And then um, the state sales tax will go to zero 
January of 2025. There's not much we can do next year to hurry that up. We could do it in July if we wanted. Um, grocery stores are ready to do this as soon as we give them permission. They are paying the credit card charges on the sales tax that you paid. So they're going to be much better off. They are, none of them have raised the issue of we can't do it. It would be too hard to do it earlier. So we have a bill. Um, the idea had been, can we just do that all this January? And that was the proposal to move it forward. There was another bill um, in this, or another amendment in the Senate that talked about taking the sales tax completely off food, which would include the local portion. Um, but of course, no way for the state to make that up for local entities. So um, that's still under consideration, but has not been passed. I understand one of the considerations for phasing it like that was so there wouldn't be this sudden shock to the grocery stores making the adjustment. So they now make the adjustment three times. I think it's a lot more work. They've said that. Okay. Um, uh, thank you. A couple questions. One to Jackie, one to you, Marcy. Uh, to Jackie, I don't know much about New Mexico politics, but uh, uh, is it more progressive uh, than here? And, you know, what are the prospects? Uh, uh, and to Marcy, what are we facing next year in the legislature when Jackie's done? <laughs> I'll come up here so that the Zoom folks can hear me. Um, as far as New Mexico politics, they had one, I believe, two um, bills even related to transgender people. And one was to protect access to care. Um, so outside states couldn't come in and get a search warrant for information on your care happening in New Mexico, primarily to protect Texas residents coming over for care. The second updated definitions of gender, gender identity, updated the term sexual preference in state law to sexual orientation. Um, so yes, very, um, a much more friendly atmosphere there. It's never easy to say what the legislature might do day to day, much less year to year. But um, next year will be an election year uh, or coming up to an election year for all the House members and all the senators. So everybody will be up for um, election in November of uh, 2024. Because of that, I expect there to be a little more action on taxes um, so that people can send out a postcard to say, I've actually reduced somehow um, taxes on Kansans. But there could depending on what people feel um, is the mood of the electorate, um, what other things would they like to send postcards um, out about? So clearly the vote on the constitutional amendment on abortion did not discourage um, people from introducing um, bills about abortion. So I don't think, um, that this fight between perhaps the governor and the attorney general on what Senate Bill 180 means is going to reduce their interest in um, seeing something like that, um, perhaps with um, 
the opportunity for enforcement um, passed. And that's what gets scary. Okay, Senator, thank you. Uh, uh, my question has to do with understanding something that's going on right now, and that is that the attorney general is suing the governor, as I understand it. Now, is this suit government suing government, and how can that happen? I assume that as taxpayers will be paying uh, whatever settlement is made. I just don't understand how this can happen. Could you explain this? So. I don't know that it's a suit yet, but the attorney general did say um, that he believed that the passage of Senate Bill 180 means that um, the government agencies, say the ones that issue driver's licenses, would have to go out and make changes. Now, I don't know how you change somebody's driver's license if they don't come in and provide it for you. So it may just be at the time when that's um, renewed. But um, I know that the ACLU has said they, I believe, agree with the governor's interpretation um, of that. And certainly there are cases where states have done something and the Supreme Court reviews it. So I guess we live in a, within a, country and a government that says, if you don't like what's happening, ask the courts. And so the courts could be the group that determined this. Um, I am so pleased that I think we have good judges um, and we're glad that those retention votes um, passed. Oh, we're on overtime now, but uh, Susanna Rell, I think I see your hand up. This will have to be the last question. Thank you. Um, I am in the process of moving back to Kansas from Missouri, thank heavens. And um, so this is kind of based on my experience over the last 30 years in Missouri. Um, there are two issues that have come up that one of which is very different between Missouri and Kansas and one of which Missouri is working really hard to get rid of. And the, they're both related to actually uh, medical marijuana and then um, recreational marijuana, which is certainly bringing in funding to the state of Missouri. Um, and Kansas doesn't even have medical marijuana. It's one of the very few states that doesn't. So I'm curious about that. The other question is, since both of these things were done by initiative, um, what is the status of initiatives in ballot initiatives in Kansas? What is the process? Is it done, et cetera? So the second part of that question is easier. There is no process for ballot initiative in Kansas. So to get a change, you would have to work with um, a member of the legislature, introduce a bill and get that passed. There has been a lot of interest um, in particularly medical marijuana. The House passed a bill, not this last year, but the year before. Um, the understanding was, but they passed it, I think, 48 hours before we were going to adjourn. And so it sort of made sense that the Senate 
did not take it up, but um, it doesn't make sense that we ignored it all this past year. Medical marijuana is not going to be bringing in the money um, because we're not charging for prescriptions. Um, but it, I think there is evidence um, that there's a lot of health benefits. And I think the majority of the legislators are supportive. And so, again, here we find ourselves just as Medicaid expansion with a majority of um, citizens, a majority of legislators supporting something and um, legislative leadership being able to block that happening. When you talk about Medicaid expansion, um, nothing's been able to happen to Medicaid because if the word Medicaid were in a bill, then we could make it as an amendment on the floor and it would probably pass. So we've not even done other things that we should be doing. The same um, seems true of the medical marijuana issue. I, I'm hoping that would pass. Thank you for tuning in to the All Souls Forum. Now, keep your radio dialed to 90.1 FM KKFI Kansas City Community Radio for Jazz in the Afternoon coming up immediately, followed by Happy Hour at 3 p.m. and the Heartland Labor Forum at 6 p.m. In the meantime, have a great day.